Hello and welcome back after a very long hiatus to the Stephen Perkins Program podcast where I have interesting, entertaining, and insightful conversations with my friends in politics about culture. On this week's episode, I'm talking with John Pierre Maley. John Pierre is a really sharp guy. He writes for publications such as Outset Magazine, may have heard of him, as well as Independent Journal and his own website, thepoliticalinformer.com. As you will hear in this episode, he no longer labels himself as a conservative. However, he does frequently comment on the conservative movement and their use of messaging and how they fit into the cultural change. Uh, This week, we talked about just that, how conservatives should articulate their values and why they should stop fighting culture and start influencing culture. I even asked him about what the GOP may look like after either a Trump win or a Trump loss. So pour yourself a glass of your beverage of choice and let's get into the show. activist and transition what is the what's the meaning behind that um basically that was like probably like a few weeks ago to a month i was just um reading up on second wave um feminism in like the 60s and 70s and so after reading like two books on it i kind of just um realized that i really wasn't doing anything of like I was, you know, writing a lot, thinking a lot about ideas and stuff, but I wasn't actually doing much. And so I'm like, I should try and do some activism. So I've, I've just been brainstorming stuff and that's a goal I want to do. So that's, it's kind of just like an inside joke for me because I know most of my stuff is online. So, yeah. And I feel like, uh, I feel like there's been a lot of on the left, you'll see like this, this hashtag activism type of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I don't even I don't even know where it started, but it, it was just this idea that, that we can change the world by tweeting about things. Um, and a lot of people on the right kind of picked that up and, and kind of made that a joke. But you, you, you see people still doing that. Um, and I remember when Donald Trump kind of officially grabbed the nomination, I wrote that piece about the GOP, how it's not dead. And it's really kind of a. Um, it's kind of a positive piece for a not so positive situation, but I wrote it in the sense that there's a lot of people online who are complaining and these are people who have never really done any type of local activism or any activism at all. Exactly. They're, they're complaining because, oh, their their tweets did not stop Donald Trump. And it's like, <laughs> well, you know, if, if you really want to rebuild your party or your movement um, and if you really want to do anything, you kind of need to get out from behind the computer and and work in your local area yeah um i I really like that piece that you wrote so i've just been that's like a goal that i'm going to try and that's another thing i'm going to try and do once i move and get situated is going to try and just brainstorm ideas of what i can do activist wise that is actually going to do something because I'm, I'm not a big fan of like giant protests and boycotts. I don't think those work as well as people assume they do. And so I, I'm, I'm going to try and start coming up with some ideals of what to do, how to get messages to people, and how to like spark conversation and 
just intrigue, I guess. Yeah. And I want to talk some about that messaging um, in a bit, but also just I want to get your take on now that Trump is the official nominee, there's been a lot of turmoil on the right about what the future of the conservatives uh, is, um, what the future of the party is. Um, what is your take on kind of the state of conservatism, if you will, now that uh, now that we have this nominee for the for the party that closely represents or claims to represent conservative ideas and this nominee is not necessarily the strongest conservative yeah um okay just for starters i don't identify politically as a conservative like i haven't for a while so this is me looking into the party from which i like used to be a part of and understand how it works and stuff but um First off, I would say that I don't I don't think the party is dead. I think that it's like it's kind of at this choice where you like we can either have an easy win with Trump and or maybe have an easy like, you know, assume winning or we can we can ditch those stereotypes and that pandering and everything that we that we think is helping us win but it's really not and we can go down a harder path where it's like we're gonna have to we're gonna have to um look over some policies that we refuse to actually like reform so maybe immigration gonna have to do better at um outreach reaching out to minorities gonna have to do a better job with just messaging in general because i think there's a lot of Conservatives have a lot of great ideals, a lot of um, good principles, but I think a lot of it is cloaked around or covered in this messaging that is usually more negative than positive, and it focuses more on kind of like, well, you're not going to be able to do this, or you have to do this, or you're not going to do this to me, or I have the right to do this, and you can go just, you know, hike a mountain, and I think a lot of that needs to change. Um, Another thing is, I think Trump has kind of, I'm still not sure whether, <laughs> I'm still not sure whether Trump has, has highlighted a lot of the actual real stereotypes of the Republican slash conservative party. So like, you know, all the things that liberals have been saying about conservatives that were, that they're racist and bigots and closed minded and everything. I don't know if that's, those stereotypes are true and Trump is just kind of bringing them to light or if there's been like this, this weird facet of right wing politics that has kind of just like merged itself into the conservative party. Thanks to Trump um, getting so much steam. So like either the alt right has been here all the time or they kind of just crept in somehow. Thanks to Trump. So I that's, yeah, yeah. I, t I tend to think it's like a, th a synthesis. I think you always had those those seeds of the alt-right um, and now they're they're being empowered like never before. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's it's now almost more acceptable to come out as as an alt-right person, if you will. People like Milo uh, ha have brought it very mainstream along yeah. with obviously Trump. Um, but I think it's interesting because you know, from looking at it myself being on the more libertarian side of conservatism, if if if, if you want to go down all those labels, 
Um, the way I see it now is that the the the, the right is becoming um, kind of a group of assholes. Like they're they're not, <laughs> you know, you know, because Trump's big thing is not just Trump's, but a lot of people's big thing now is is um, the messaging, which is like I said, we'll get to in a second. But the messaging is we don't care about your feelings. Um, we're not approaching this from necessarily like a like a, a compassionate way like compassionate conservatism is what yes, george bush yeah. talked about that's not where we are now and i think a lot of people look at the right and it's just a very negative thing that they're seeing coming out of it yeah a lot of the messaging is negative it's 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 either negative or confrontational or very kind of like i'm putting my foot down and this is how it should be or is going to be and you can just deal so yeah i would i would totally agree the right um, they were always like this, but I think Trump, again, Trump coming in has really highlighted a lot of things. Um, he's kind of the one that's like pulled the curtain and let the, the light into the room and all of a sudden you can see all the dust particles. That's basically what he's done. Um, and so I think a lot of the, the negative messaging has been there, but now it's just a little overhyped because of Trump. If, Donald Trump ends up not winning the election, or, or I suppose even if he does, um, do you think that that the Republican Party, who has already been through these multiple rebrandings after 2008, we had to rebrand after 2012, they had to rebrand um, after 2016. Like, I agree with you, I don't think it's dead, but I think the rebranding becomes a lot more difficult. Um, and I'm not quite sure what that would even look like, how you recover from a figure like Donald Trump. Um, do you have any thoughts on to kind of what that future is might look like? Um, I'm not that familiar with the rebranding that took place after the last two elections. Um, if anything, they probably, it was probably more talk than actual action. Um, but what I think is they're going to have to move away from a lot of the negative messaging and they're going to have to make an effort to be like, no, we just because we're, we're for reforming immigration does not mean we hate Mexicans or Hispanics or anybody. We welcome immigrants. I think, I think the party will have to be more immigration friendly. And I think there's, there's still a way to do that while, um, you know, keeping the main, like, you know, we're going to secure the border. It's not a dichotomy. Um, also, I guess just communicating conservative principles in a way that highlights why it's best for other people and not always automatically going to, like, the, well, this is going to crack down on this little group of people that we don't like. And so all the politically correct, you know, college students are going to have to suck it up and, you know, stop crying in the corner. Like that kind of stuff doesn't help. That just makes you look confrontational and you know, basically an asshole. So in terms of messaging, would you say that's the biggest challenge or, or is there anything else, any other challenge that the right is having with their messaging? I'm sure the, the positive, negative, controversial aspect is definitely a big part. Um, I, I have no doubt there's other facets of it because it's never just one issue. That's the problem. Um, it's also just the right has such a horrible image now. 
and it, it did before, but now with Trump, it's even more so. Because, um, like, it also had the whole tr- traditional conservative view. So, like, you know, the Republican Party was very much, at one point, the anti-gay party. The, you know, we're just, we want it our way, and we want strict moral codes and all that. Um, now that's that's not the case so much just because gay, gays aren't an issue anymore because they won. So, but yeah, I, I don't know all the facets that go into why the Republican Party, why their messaging is, is failing at this point or what needs to fix. But I do know that the positive negative stuff needs to be fixed sooner rather than later. So let's talk about that component of the right that is social conservatism. Uh, Donald Trump is not a a leader of the social conservative movement, um, or or if they're trying to make him one, he, he's not <laughs> the best poster boy for it. But you have written a lot about, um, like most recently you wrote about the transgender bathroom issue, yeah. and you're writing about how conservatives are, are trying to battle culture instead of playing the game of cultural change. Can you expand a little bit on that? And, and also, is it your view that social conservatives um, are, are, are simply on a losing side or are they just approaching this from the wrong way? Um, I, okay, so if they're, if they're on a losing side or not, I think they're more likely than not just approaching it badly. Um, a lot of them are, again, coming at it from a confrontational side. They're mm-hmm. coming at it from negative messaging. They're not. I know this This is a word that a lot of like right-wingers don't like, but they're not willing to compromise on issues that are actually important. And so instead of realizing that they're going to have to give a little to get a little, which is how politics works regardless of whether you like it or not, they have to, like with the transgender bathroom issue, most of them are worried about, they would say they're worried about um, predators coming in and using the transgender laws to basically just like spy on people in the bathrooms or assault them. It's a myriad of reasons. And instead of addressing that issue, they, they just attack transgenders as a whole for it and blame them for the issue. Um, so in that regards, they could do a better job of recognizing the, the transgender issue, but also being like, you know, fine, you guys can have this law, but let's, let's put in some stricter stuff about, um, like predator, sexual predators and stuff and, and dealing with that appropriately, not just attacking transgenders. Um, I think now that just, if they stay on their current messaging, and they stay on their current, like, they're reactionary, and which means basically they wait for issues to come up and then attack it instead of actually leading the change. So right now the, the liberals and the oppressed groups that are coming up are leading the change. So gay marriage, the gays were leading that, they were shaping it. Conservatives were very much reacting to it and responding instead of actually trying to move the, the window of debate. And so if, if they keep um, staying in this reactionary stance, they're going to lose every time. They lost the gay marriage one. They're slowly losing the – actually, they're rapidly losing the transgender one thanks to some 
nicely placed bills in southern states and other states. Um, well, one, one of the areas I, I think that um, that conservatives went wrong is when you have someone on, on the issue of, of the transgender bathrooms, when you have someone on your side like Caitlyn Jenner, okay, Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a fan of propping up people as poster people for a certain movement or a certain issue. But I do think that when you had someone like Caitlyn Jenner say, okay, I'm transgendered, um, but I, I love the Constitution, I love the country, and I align with conservative views. And immediately you had conservatives saying, you know, that doesn't represent our side. That's not a part of our party. And on, on an issue like transgendered bathroom rights, um, I feel like you could have seen more, uh, you could have seen a, a bigger push to kind of utilize voices like that, um, who, you know, they, they, they may not be with you on 100% of the issues, but on certain issues, they can help you push the needle. And, and I'm sure that Caitlyn Jenner is someone uh, who could have stepped into this and, and kind of forge that compromise that you're talking about and, and kind of could have been a leading voice um, on an issue like this. But yeah. I feel like they, they're, they're just very weary about, about getting involved with people like that. Yeah. And I, and I think, and I think part of that goes back to, yes, they might. Uh, a lot of them are very quick to be like, no, I don't have a problem with transgenders. I just have a problem with the bill because it allows sexual predators to take advantage of, bathrooms and stuff but but then they they dismiss people that are willing to help them on their side like caitlin jenner they're unwilling to compromise on things they're unwilling to i mean this is one good example but stop calling transgenders transgenderism a mental disorder as an argument and and so if and if most of them say they're worried about the sexual predators then focus on that don't use transgenderism as like some kind of club or issue just to beat it in. And so, yeah, they just, um, they just don't come at the issue effectively and they push away people that they could use to communicate better. Yeah. So when we talk about, um, influencing culture and and playing the game of cultural change, um, instead of battling it, what does that realistically look like? Because I feel like, a lot of people on the right, um, including like people, religious people, they, they've tried to play with culture. Um, they put out they put up movies with certain undertones. They um, they influence different types of arts, but they're never really fully effective at it. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons is because there's so many like you want to talk about Hollywood culture pouring in from Hollywood. There's so many people on the left in Hollywood that help that. So there's a lot to fight against, or shall I say a lot to work with. Um, mm-hmm. But what, it, what do you think that realistically looks like? Because we say all the time, we need to be a part of culture, not against it. But I don't think people really understand what that means. Okay. Um, so addressing like the Hollywood thing and how a lot of, I, I'm sure you know, like, how many Christian movies have you watched that you actually, like, honestly thought they were, like, a good movie? Maybe two. Yeah, (laughs) out of, like, yeah, out of, like, several dozen. Most of the ones I've watched, I've, like, cringed. I (laughs) walk out, it's horrible. Makes me want to (laughs) cry. But, yeah, so that's, that's a really good example because 
I think one important aspect of addressing cultural change and actually creating it and not just reacting to it is creating, using these avenues to like art, media, um, literature, all those areas, um, the news, but, and pushing your message through that, but very, very like cloaked, it, not, not making it obvious. And so Christian movies don't, they make it very obvious. Like it's super obvious that it's a Christian movie. The title says it all basically. And nobody's going to watch it unless they're a Christian who actually appreciates those movies. And that's where that change ends. It ends with, you're basically preaching to the crowd. And so if you don't want to just preach to the crowd, you have to create um, avenues. You have to create products and stuff that communicate your message in a less um, obvious way. But, okay, like uh, the, the Captain America Civil War movie. That's a good example of communicating libertarian ideals yeah. because it was very much like Captain America was the limited government. You know, I want to, I want to live my life the way I make the best decisions because I am the very, I'm the epicenter of where the decisions come from. And so I can't rely on bureaucrats to make decisions because they don't have all the facts and they don't know everything and they take too long and everything's corrupt. So the best person to make decisions is me. That's a very much like individualist, um, even kind of like Ayn Rand um, outlook. And I think that was a very good communicator of that. And it also pitted people against each other. So they had to think. And they were like, well, I like the superheroes, but should they be over oversight? And then they had to figure out whether that would actually work. And so it, it pitted a lot of people against each other. There was a lot of articles that came out debating it. Um, I think that was a great movie for communicating those ideals because it wasn't, it wasn't obvious. It wasn't in your face. It was superheroes dealing with some bureaucracy, but in reality it was, it was a friendship battle, but you still had that issue of limited government or oversight so I think that's a good example of communicating your ideals through a medium that isn't in your face. Yeah, um, I remember Caleb Franz wrote a piece for Outset about um, kind of how Captain America put libertarianism into the spotlight. Yeah. Um, uh, but a lot of times when when they try to do things like you're talking about, especially in Christian movies um, or Christian TV shows or just shows with those undertones, a lot of people say you're watering down the message and, 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 and that's just not good for the overall, um, for the overall movement or the overall group. And, and that I always found frustrating because it's like, you can't, you can't, you know, overwhelming, you can't overwhelm people with this messaging and expect them to just absorb it all in. Um, but there's a lot of traditionalists who will say, well, you can't water down the message. Yeah. And the funny thing is with that is like stories are a great way to communicate ideals. Like Jesus did it and he didn't. His parables had a specific moral story to them and principles and stuff. But it also wasn't like it wasn't always about, 
you know, the super obvious or whatever. And not all, not all the time did the people hearing it actually get it. And so I think there's also like Lord of the Rings and Narnia are good examples of having like, you know, Christian undertones, but a lot of people like them and nobody's like, ah, oh, those horrible Christian movies. Nobody says that. Um, Narnia is more obvious than Lord of the Rings, but that's just how it was written. Mm-hmm. But you, there's, there's always a way to communicate your ideal and avoid watering it down. And so saying that like, Oh, we're just going to water it down. If we, you know, make it kind of a submersive message. Um, it's just kind of a, a lame excuse to get out of doing the hard work because you'd rather just yell at somebody and thump them over the head with your book of beliefs. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. It's not so much, you know, watering down. It's being strategic about how you communicate these things, how you tell those stories, how you insert those undertones. Mm-hmm. Um, and and a lot of people don't realize that changing culture is a slow process. Yes. You're not going to change culture overnight. You're not going to do it in a month or a year. Like it is a slow process. And if you want to talk about Hollywood again, the left has been there for decades, for generations. And yeah. so uh, and so it's not like they just appeared out of one day and these, these liberal ideas kind of just appeared all of a sudden. They had been as undertones for a while. And then that allows you to build up and become more obvious with your messaging over time. Um, and, and another area I think that we have to be strategic is when you you mentioned earlier, getting into arts and media, a lot of people on the right will shun away arts and media and say, well, you know, liberal arts isn't necessarily um, a worthwhile thing to pursue. Um, a lot of conservatives will complain about liberal professors on college, for example, but none of them are willing to become educators themselves. And I think that's another area curious if you agree that's another area i think um that you can affect some change as well as by getting involved in those areas where conservatives are drastically underrepresented yeah definitely um there's a lot to going into a system where you know it's it's overwhelmingly um represented by somebody that's the opposite of your viewpoint um, but the, the power in that is that as long as you're civil about it and you're not in, in their face, you can bring up your ideals. For the most part, not everybody's going to be receptive, but you can bring up your ideals and at least have them aware that it exists. Like make them think about it, make them contemplate it, debate it. As long as they're thinking about it and it's in their head, you have some kind of influence over them with your ideals. And I know like, I, I don't know about you, but like when I first started out in politics, like five plus years ago, I was like a neocon basically. And (laughs) (laughs) were you really, I can't imagine that. Yeah, it was. (laughs) Yeah. Just, just picture just me a lot more controversial and, um, confrontational, but as a neocon. So (laughs) it it was pretty bad. (laughs) But, uh, but I had friends that were I had a I have a good friend that's an ANCAP and we would just argue all the time and we would talk a lot. I interacted with a lot more libertarians and just over the over time I just started interacting with these ideals more and more 
And I eventually just swap, you know, just changed to those. And I moved, I got rid of old ones, replaced them with new. I realized that my ideal of how things worked in this specific category wasn't working. And so I found something else that worked better. And you're not going to change your liberal friend with one argument. You're, the way you change them is by being easy to talk to about stuff and being a good example of like, oh, you're a really nice conservative that I can talk to and you're not crazy and you can easily talk about stuff and don't get emotional and we can have these civil conversations where we just hash out our deals. Um, and being a good... Um, and, and giving and projecting that to other people that you interact with, even online, because online is the easiest place for people to be like one nasty conservative that they interact with. And they're like, oh, conservatives are awful and they're confrontational and they are bigots and everything. And the more you're just kind of sitting there chilling, talking and not viewing it as a life or death situation, whether this whether you win the debate or not, which doesn't matter the more likely you are over the course of like several months, years or whatever, they will at least slide a little closer to you or just see the benefit of your voice in the public debate. And you see, that is why I tweet so often about Taylor Swift. Because <laughs> I am simply trying to build bridges and eventually <laughs> I'm going to make a breakthrough with some people and, uh, you know, it'll go from there. Um, well, I, I think that was a good kind of conclusion to this talk. Um, and I want to thank you for coming on. Where can people find your tweets, your writing, all that good stuff? Um, find me on Twitter at John Perry Um, the political informer.com. I write for outset IJ review pipeline, a bunch of places. So the easiest place to get all my writing is my newsletter at the political informer i usually just send out links to everything i've written and talk about more in-depth topics on there i agree it's definitely worth checking out john pierre thanks so much for coming on the show my thanks again to john pierre for sharing his thoughts on this week's show make sure to catch next week's episode when i talk to bethany bora in the meantime, find me on Twitter at Stephen underscore Perkins, Facebook.com slash Stephen Perkins, and OutsetMagazine.com. Taylor Swift, if you're listening, hit me up soon. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.